0: Hello, welcome back to 1874 on The Athletic, a podcast all about Aston Villa with myself, Dan Bardell, and The Athletic's Aston Villa writer, Greg Evans. Right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else, so just go to theathletic.com slash villapod athletic.com slash and sign up now Greg freshly back from the Hawthorns West Bromwich Albion nil, Aston Villa 3 a walk in the park really for Villa if, if you will but, but good to see
1: uh, yeah hello Dan it's been a while hasn't it can't believe yeah. you had a you had a Wolves fan on last
0: week in, in place what's going and on I there wish I, I wish I'd had him on after the game to be fair rather than before <laughs> <laughs> you alright pal <laughs> yeah yeah re- really good obviously Aston Villa away games at the moment pretty much we know we're going to be talking about a win yeah,
1: incredible, really. I mean, just the, the away form, you know, is sensational, isn't it? And let's be honest, the uh, West Ham game should have ended in a in a positive result for Villa as well. Yeah. So, you know, we should be talking about an unbeaten run of, of of games for for Villa on the road. But yeah, turning into a, a real a really solid team now, aren't they? And, and one that are so attractive and enjoyable
0: to watch. Yeah, since we last podcasted together, that's seven points for Villa, three clean sheets. And three goals obviously to tonight which is always nice nice to see I mean Anwar Al El- Ghazi sorry for example I mean we probably hadn't spoken about him all season and then suddenly in the space of eight days he's got three goals come back from nowhere
1: yeah I think he uh, turns into Ronaldo every time he goes to the Hawthorns doesn't he four goals I think he scored there Um he- Completely different player when he plays West Bromwich Albion, but yeah, fair play to him. You know, he he's turned his form around. He was um he came under a little bit of criticism, didn't he, in the Burnley game because he had he had six six opportunities and, and couldn't put one of them away. But it took him just what three or four minutes was it to, to mm. score against West Brom. So um yeah, you know, put, put those critics and, and doubters behind him, and yeah, fair play to him. I think the beauty of this this Villa team at the moment is players are coming in and uh, you know and they're feeling. In and, and
0: and you're not almost missing the the players that they're replacing. Because we've spoke about squad depth a number of times on this podcast. It's been something that we've been worried about, especially up front. But it shows you how how quickly things can change. So for the players not in the team at the moment, a week's a very long time in in football, and, and things can change.
1: Yeah, it's funny you should say that, yeah, because, I mean, I'm off work next week for the week and I've written a few... few, (laughs) Well, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because I've had so many days that I haven't taken because of, you know, the pandemic and I always find it hard to take days off and and just stay at home. But we've, you know, we've literally had to this year, haven't we? So, yeah, yeah, you know, know, going off track a little bit, but um, I've written a few stories in advance and, and, and some of them I need to change now because... You know, the the results that Villa have picked up in, in the space of a week have changed the complex and, and the dynamic a lot. And, you know, Al Gars is one of these players that now looks like he can come in and, and do a job. Whereas, you know, maybe even after the Burnley game, we were thinking, is, is he quite good enough to, to fit into this new and evolving Villa team? But tonight he proved it. Okay, West Brom are, are the worst team in the league, and, and Villa aren't going to get an easier game than that. But, you know, he, he's still gone and done it and, and could have had a hat trick, couldn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean, you want to get yourself 20 jobs mm-hmm. like me. I can't remember the last time I had a day off from doing uh, one of the various <laughs> jobs that, that I'm doing at, at the moment. But you talk about the Burnley game, though, and if, if Villa had gone one nil up against Burnley, it probably would have been a similar game to, to tonight, but they didn't. And I think that they could still be playing at Villa Park now and they wouldn't have hit the back of the net. But an early goal sets Villa on the way. And when Villa do score first, they usually win. And Well, in fact, not usually, they do win. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's every game, isn't it? Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think think every game they've they've took the lead, they've they've went on and won, haven't they? So certainly since um, football came back. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that's a really good sign to me, you know, of of a sign of a a really good team. I think because um, you know Dean Dean Smith keeps saying this in every press conference, he he says um, that he believes his team have been better than the opposition in every single game this season except for Leeds United and it continues Fair. you know every single week and 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 we can't we can't deny that you know can we i think we both agree that villa have been the better team in in every game that they've played except for against Leeds so you know it's really po- it's a really positive time to be a Villa a fan at the moment, a really positive time to, to report on the club. You know, it's certainly enjoyable from, from, from my point of view, um, they're winning games and, and they look like a team that are capable of, of competing for Europe. I think.
2: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more.
0: West Brom didn't look like a team that were competing f- for anything tonight, even with with 11 men. I actually don't think the game would have been much different, Ele- 11 v 11. I-, I don't think it made that much difference to the tale of the tape, really. But what did you think of the sending-offs? Because I think the Livermore one, I think most people w- would say that was a red card. But then straight after that a suspect incident with Courtney Hall and it could, probably was a good chance for the referee to actually even things up and, and he didn't it, it was a yellow but what, what did you make of the, the those two bits of officiating and those two bits of decision?
1: Yeah we, I was talking to my colleagues you know in the press box about the match officials probably I think we were 30-35 minutes into the game and, and we were saying that Martin Atkinson was letting let him play you know, go on quite quite easily, and it, it was it was almost a breath of fresh air to some extent because the per, the performance of Mike Dean as the referee against Wolves, you know, in the Wolves versus Villa game was was just ridiculous, and I just thought I remember coming away from Molyneux thinking, what what on earth have have I just watched? You know, it was a really poor refere- refereeing performance, too many yellow cards, silly yellow cards, too many fouls given. So um, when Martin Atkinson was letting play go on, I thought fair play. Um, but then yeah, it's just it's just the inconsistencies of refereeing across the Premier League which which is really frustrating now, isn't it? You seem to be coming away from every game um and asking why certain decisions were made. They were both red cards for me, you know. I think both yeah, I think both players should have been sent off. I thought What's really sad about football now is that you just can't do anything. I'm watching games now across the Premier League and it seems like there's always a sending off. Um, I watched Fulham versus Newcastle last night and, and I didn't think that was a sending off yet. He was. Um, I watched Sheffield United play earlier on today. Um, another sending off. It just seems as a sending off or a VAR decision in, in every single game now. And it's, it's, almost, it's almost ruining football a little bit. It just... Because, you know, a sending off completely changes the game, doesn't it? And I think it does here tonight. I think, you know, West Bromwich Albion showed what they can do against Manchester City. They're not a very good side, but they can defend very well and, and um, you know, hold teams to you know, what, what they've already got. But um, as soon as they go down to 10 men, as they've shown this season, it's curtains. You know, they've, they've had three sending offs. Um, so far this season and they lost 5-2 to Everton they lost 5-1 to Crystal Palace and they lost 3-0 to Villa today and let's be honest it should have been 4-5 or
0: 6 shouldn't it? I mean I don't think it was Villa's most vintage dis- display of the season I think obviously West Brom sit back quite deep it's difficult to break it down but there were some lively displays It was I, I've not had a problem with Bertrand Troy or Ralph I've seen some stuff on social media where Villa fans calling him out but it's early days for, for the lad he hasn't been at the club very long playing in a, in a different league but he showed his ability in his class tonight didn't he obviously he got that lo- lovely assist but his goal as well was so well taken.
1: Yeah, yeah, lovely goal. Um, made very easy for him again, you know, horrendous defending. Um, and I think what West Brom have made, they've made Villa look really good tonight. And, you know, it's great that for Villa that players have, have been able to step up and take their opportunity when it comes. And, you know, El Ghazi needed the goals. Bertrand Traore probably did need a goal, didn't he? You know, he was getting to the stage where supporters were asking, you um, is this eighteen million pounds well spent, or is it maybe a waste, a waste of money, or um, it overspend? But the way I was trying to describe it in my reporting is that Villa signed five players over the summer, and, and four of them have come off. So if you can get a four out of five ratio every time you buy players, you know that's that's a really really good turnaround. And what we're also seeing now is that Traore isn't you know done, and we shouldn't write him off yet because. He's clearly got something about him, a goal, and assist tonight. Um, and I think his deliveries are, are, are turning into a real handful for Villa. And I think Villa will get goals off his deliveries.
0: Yeah, and I think against the the lower play size like West Brom, it could actually be a real wild card option for Villa. And there's good competition out wide now as well. El is obviously coming from the cold over the last week or so. We've still got Trezeguet to come back. Jack's spending some time in the middle at the moment, but he obviously picks himself on the left-hand side when Ross Barkley's fit. What have you made of Jack's switch to the middle over the last week? I
1: thought that Villa's well-oiled machine Kind of looked a little bit broken against Burnley, even though they were so dominant and, and and Grealish played very well. I thought that if it was Grealish coming off the left and somebody else assisting him with all those chances, then Villa would have gone on to win the game. But it was it was just Grealish setting it, setting up El Ghazi almost every time, wasn't it? And and he couldn't stick the ball away. So I was just wondering going into this game against West Brom and, and then the the Crystal Palace game against Unboxing uh, Day whether. Jack being in the middle was helping or hindering Villa now as I say I don't think his performance levels dropped at all but I just think that he's better coming onto those chances and someone assisting him so it's you know really exciting to think of how fluid um, and entertaining Villa could be when, when Barclay's back and it led to believe that he'll be back for the for the Palace game which will be a good thing a good sign.
0: Yes, me and you were having a conversation on text yesterday where you, you were saying, really valid point, Villa played Chelsea in a couple of games' time where Ross can't play because it's his parent club, obviously. So Villa are now in the situation where they could give him a proper rest and make sure he's fully recovered, or they throw him in against Palace. Do you think off the back of a really good eight days, seven points from nine, do you think they will throw him back in?
1: Well, I think he'll be available, so I think he will be um, on the bench. And you know, if they need to call on him, they will. Smith said after the game today that because the temperature was dropping at the Hawthorns, he didn't feel like it would be the the right time to to, to reintroduce him. I think if Villa were struggling and, and not performing well, then maybe they would have rushed it. But um, that's the beauty at the moment: Villa are getting results and, and and performing really well. So. It feels like when the Villa are not he really missing him, are they? You know, it will just be because because results are, are so good. You know, it will just be a bonus when he comes back because you, you'll feel like Villa will be able to create more chances and and um, hopefully score some more goals.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's the, it's the home form, isn't it? The away form's obviously stupendous. We've already gone on about that. But if they'd have had Barkley against Burnley, for example, we may well have broken them down and, and come away with nine points in, instead of seven. So I guess Palace might be a similar game in the fact that they'll, they'll defend quite deep. They're coming off the back of a, a real big defeat against Liverpool this weekend as well. So that they will probably be a safety first approach from Crystal Palace, I'll imagine. So... You're making me feel like I know nothing about football, though. We're talking about Dean Smith and not playing him because of the temperature. Am I missing something (laughs) there? Is that a a normal thing? (laughs) I think, look, I think
1: it's just, you know, they they don't want to rush him back, really. They don't want to give him any excuse to... You know, have a further setback. He look; it's a hamstring injury. So, um, you know, they they just they're just taking the time with him. They're giving him the rest periods, and I think uh, you know it will be the doctors that will be that will be telling Smith about these things. But yeah, it was a it was a little bit of a surprise to me as well.
0: Because Villa have actually had to utilize quite a lot of their squad over the last week. We've we spoke about there being a lack of depth before, but actually now the players that have come in have done okay. I mean, Nakamba came in midweek and he's he did nothing wrong. He did his job, essentially, but he struggles with the fact that he basically isn't isn't Douglas Luiz, who is an absolutely sensational player at the moment. So Villa have had to utilise different players. Elmo came in, Cash was obviously back tonight. How important is that going to be over the Christmas period? Because now we've got Mings missing against Crystal Palace. So it's going to be Hawes and concert or Engels, depending on what's going on with Concerts' health now as well. It does show just the value of having a squad. Yeah, totally. Conz will be back for the Crystal
1: Palace game. Yeah, you know, obviously everybody knows at the moment what's going on in the world. So if there's a if if a player's got a little bit of a um, an issue, you know that they're uh, they're kept well away from every, everywhere. Conz hopefully will be back. Smith seems to think that he will. But I think Villa are using the squad. Wow, well, you know, I mean we, we've been we've been talking, haven't we, about in every podcast thinking that. When injuries and suspensions kick in, that's going to be the time when Villa struggle. But they're showing that they have actually got um, strength in depth. I didn't think the Campbell was great, to be honest. I mean, Smith, Smith Smith has been talking quite highly about him in in, in the couple of days that that I've spoke to him, but, you know, whether that's just protecting the player or not, I don't know. I just, I, as as you said, yeah, he, d- he didn't disgrace himself, but I just thought he gave away too many needless fouls. Um, I thought he's, he's, his passing accuracy was, I think, was about 72%, which is really poor. Um, I thought he gave the ball away too often. And then when you look at Douglas Louise coming back tonight, I mean, he was brilliant again. The, the, what I love about him is that even when... Um, even when Villa get into a little bit of trouble, and 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 it's very rare now that these times are few and far between. With, with three clean sheets in the in the last three games, Douglas Luiz always seems to be there as cover just to mop up, and and he's become this really disciplined defensive midfielder that you know we kind of expected when he arrived, but he, he never produced it initially. But now he really is. You know, he's such a valuable asset to this Villa team, and and it's not just the way he covers and helps his teammates; it's the way he gets the ball moving and his passing ability. He's 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 unbelievable. You know, he's the way he can just make sim uh, make make passes look so simple. I think it was eighty five percent passing accuracy tonight, which is the highest of the season for him. And he's a big part of this Villa team now, and and they really do miss him when he doesn't play.
0: Remember when we used to do podcasts criticizing him and not understanding what he was? That's I feel a long time ago. I do, Dan. Yeah, and it's 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 funny, really. But I I do I do back our judgment
1: at the time. You know, I, I genuinely think, and you do too. You know, we were watching a player that that was struggling. You know, he was. what what, what's happened is he's reinvented himself he's decided that he's not this box-to-box midfielder anymore he is happy to sit there now in front of the back five and and protect them um and and venture forward when he needs to and and when he's allowed to almost um and it's that discipline now that that has made him so good but he's only a youngster and he's going to need that he's going to need people around him telling him what what to do and I think finally that you know he, he he's he's clocked it now hasn't he he's got it he's yeah, a really he's really good player and Villa are so lucky to have him
0: and they need to do something about his contract don't they because I watch Man City at the moment and their they're midfield and I th- I'm not having Rodri at all Fernandinho's coming to, to the end of his career They've they've got a player there who's accomplished now as a defensive midfielder in the Premier League. And, and that's a worry. So Villa need to try and do something about that. They've kind of been great at tying people down in the last six months, but they need to do it with him as well, don't they?
1: Yeah, there's just a, you know, there's, there is a real niggling worry about that one, unfortunately. I mean, Villa aren't in any talks to to extend deals at the moment. You know, Douglas Luiz and Conza will be the will, will be the next ones to, to sign extensions. Um you know, if, if they do, I, I'm sure they will at some point. But for Villa, unfortunately, they, that that clause won't go away, so um, no. it's always going to be there, unfortunately.
0: And the worry is, I mean, obviously, we probably don't know what what the fee is, but it's going to be it's going to be under market value, you you would say at the moment. But I guess when we got when we did the deal, that was a risk we took, Greg. Yeah, totally. And look, you know, at the, at the time
1: he, he was an unproven player. He hadn't really done it. Had a, He was over at Girona who got relegated. And, um, you know, you, you often wonder, don't you, whether Man City buy players to help their, you know, their other clubs. And it, it kind of felt like it in that respect. I know that there was a lot of talk from Guardiola saying that, they want, that he wanted him in his team. You know, he wanted to get that work permit sorted. But... With the City Group, you have to remember that they've got a club in every continent, and mm-hmm. they they look to support clubs, um, you know, all over the world. They 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 want this global domination, and um, it, the, there are always question marks around the um, seriousness of, of how much Manchester City wanted Douglas Wade. But you know, it must have been quite serious because they insisted on the, the buyback clause and yeah i don't know the value of it but um it won't go away and and if man, man city want to get him back in the summer then they might they might do that
0: I would suggest Pep signing a new deal at Man City isn't ideal for that scenario. So that, that's something that we need to keep our eye on and something potentially to worry about. But let's try and talk about happier things because that's us face it, it's a pretty happy time to be a Villa fan at the moment. Another clean sheet for Emi Martinez. That guy's going to need a new laundry basket soon, isn't he, Greg, with, with all his <laughs> clean sheets?
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, um, yeah, seven seven clean sheets in in 12 games. You know, it's, it's very easy, isn't it, though, to... To laud and praise the defence and 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 pinpoint Martinez and and the new arrivals that have come into the defence, but the story that I've written for tomorrow is that Villa are defending exceptionally well from the front, um, and 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 it's all actually starting with Ollie Watkins. Now, mm. it's probably something that supporters don't necessarily see because obviously watching it on telly, that you know, that you can't see the the off the ball movements that that Watkins is constantly making, but. If you, I, I watched him closely, especially in the first half today, and there, there were lots of darting runs into the channels, and he really sets the tempo for Villa, and he really um, yeah, instigates the press, and 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 it, and it all starts from him. So I think that although his goal record is now starting to come. Into question a little bit because he hasn't scored for a while, and he was so unlucky today, wasn't oh, he? It was another, just just, just millimeters, you know, and he, he must feel like that the world, not the world's against him, but he must feel like you know when when's he going to get a lucky break because he's had a couple of hard luck stories now with goals, but. I think that although we'll judge him on his goals at the end of the season, we've got to look at the, the bigger picture and what he's doing for this Villa team. And internally, that the the staff are really grateful actually, and they're, and they're really pleased with his performances. and And it feels like with him in the squ- in, in the team now, Villa are able to to play a little bit differently to last season because he harasses and presses and causes problems for defenders in, in a way that Wesley, Samata and Davies just couldn't do last season. And that is that is changing the whole dynamic of this Villa team and helping them play in a much different way. So I um, think he deserves a bit of credit and that's what I've tried to do in, in, the, in my article for tomorrow.
0: FX is welcome to Rexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Well, something's clearly changed with Villa going forward because we're scoring a lot of goals. We're sharing the goals around Watkins. Although being his only scored in two games from open play, his goal record is good. But such an I don't know whether you've wrote this in your article because obviously I haven't read about read it yet. But a big part of the modern day centre forward is occupying centre halves, and he's doing that
1: yeah totally Look, and, and there's no there's no player in the premier league other than Ollie Burke who has had more pressures in the in the attacking third than Ollie Watkins this season so you know it just shows what he's doing um you know in these figures are higher than the likes of Salah and Firmino and Bamford you know in in teams that are known for their pressing style so you know, I think I think he's really he's he's, an almost, he's almost an unsung hero because eight goals in fifteen games, he's still a, he's still a good tally. But you know, there there are question marks over the amount of games that he scored in because you know he got three didn't he, in one, and I think he got two in the cup
0: in, two in Ar- one I of them two, today. And yeah, two at Arsenal.
1: Yes, yeah, so, sorry, two at Arsenal. Of course, yeah. So um, you know, there are some some supporters ask you know raising questions because he hasn't scored in more games than he has scored in but you've just got to look at the bigger picture and, and I think Dean Smith you know he's so grateful for him because he's helping Villa play the way that Dean Smith wants Villa to play
0: Yeah, obviously they don't count but he did score two goals that were like millimeters <laughs> offside so if they if that, if they count obviously it's, it's a very different story I know they don't count but you know what I'm saying they're still they've yeah, got their goals yeah. if that makes sense do you get yeah. you know what I mean?
1: I do, yeah. And look, you know, he's going to be disappointed with the penalty as well now. You know, if he'd have stuck that penalty away, he'd have been on pens and he might have had another couple to add to his tally. But that will be, you know, his own downfall. He'll have to work on that. But um, I still think it's been a good start for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with, with what I'm seeing from him. And to be fair, a bit of competition now as well, because Wesley looks like he's on his, on his way back from the training ground. Pictures and images that you see. We're getting to that point now, like last season, where every week I'm going to ask you about January. I'm going to ask you about the transfer window and, and what you're hearing. Approaching January now, what are you expecting from Villa? I expect it to be a really quiet window. You, know, you sound like last season.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, look, look, Villa are going to be reactive rather than proactive in, in this window just like they were last season and I mean um, you know I was telling you the same last season and it genuinely would have been the case but if you remember around about this time last year McGinn got injured Danny Drinkwater come in um, Heaton got injured Pepe Reina came in Wesley got injured Samata came in Pretty sure that was all Villa did, wasn't it? They didn't get anyone else in. Don't, and forget,
0: don't forget Borgia Baston, Greg.
1: <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if, if, if you look at that, they, they bought four players and three of them were to replace injured players. So, you know, that they would have only probably signed one player otherwise, if that. And it, that's what it's going to be this season. You know, they're quite happy with... In fact, they're very happy with the squad. Um, the attack, the, the striker issue... I can understand why supporters want another striker. Um, If Wesley comes back, we're going to have to be very patient with him because a year out of action, uh, it's going to take him some time to get back used to it. Keenan Davies doesn't score goals in the Premier League. To be honest, I know this sounds really harsh, but doesn't score goals for Aston Villa, does he? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the long term, unless something changes with his performances and, and his goal record, then... Villa are probably going to be looking to replace him at some point. So what we might see is Davis potentially going out on loan and another forward or attacker coming in um, in place of him. But I, I, Villa certainly will not be spending big money on um, on a new signing. And 100% they won't be um, if they don't get any injuries.
0: Do you think Villa are in the position now, Where obviously like you've, you've alluded to, there's a little bit of panic in, in some respects last January. But with Villa and transfers now, do you think they're in the position where they'll only buy someone if it's an upgrade on what they have in their first 11.
1: Well, yeah, totally, you know,
0: that that is the that is the
1: plan now and the first season back in the Premier League was always going to be tough because they had to completely rebuild. But even going into that last window, you know, the last winter window, as I said, that, that there wasn't going to be much business, that it was it was purely reactive and that's so great because it shows that the owners are, you know, willing to back the team in in the times of trouble. Um but what they want is a really well organised, a careful and considered plan in place. Um, Johan Langer, the sporting director, provides that. Now you know he's a support actor to Christian Persler, Christian Persler, the CEO, he's going to be the guy who does all the deals and puts you know puts those deals together. But um, Langer, he, he's recommending targets now, underpinned by his evidence, you know, in data. Um, and it's really quite exciting because Villa will have a list of players that they've got on their on their radar now, and and they'll be thinking, well, this is you know who we're going to be looking at in the future. And I think they'll spend big and heavily again in in next summer, and and, and as you say, just look to strengthen certain positions because there'll be an, there'll be another there'll be another need to rebuild in the summer if Villa are going to take take it on to the next level.
0: Like you say, it's exciting. It's very interesting as well. Just before we
1: go, just and we don't, to... And what, and what do you think, Dan? I mean, you know, what's your what's your take on it? Do, do you feel like that they need any any additions now? I mean, my take on it would be that, yeah, another attacker would be brilliant. You know, another attacking either a number 10 or, or a number nine would give Villa that edge potentially going into the second half of the season. But
0: realistically, do they actually need it? I'm pretty happy with the squad. I'm, I know January is not a great time to, to buy people, so that's always something that plays a part. But I'm always the kind of person that thinks, well, what if this happens? So what if something did have to happen to Watkins? Fingers crossed it doesn't happen. I'd, I'd worry about what would come in to replace him up front, and I'd worry that that would hold us back and set us back as a club. But I also know trying to buy a striker is virtually impossible in January because Villa tried to do the same thing 12 months ago and it, and it didn't really happen. And they got some matter in and it, and it didn't work out. So I'm not one of those people that thinks, like, oh, we could do with the Target having some better competition because I don't think we need another left back. I think. Neil Taylor is adequate as backup for Matt Target. And I think Matt Target's come on leaps and bounds over the last 12 months. So the striking position is the only position that, that really worries me because it feels like we're light in terms of quality there. And and quantity, to be fair, as well. So it's the striking position is the only one that really bothers me. The rest, I'm pretty happy with. You go again in the summer and you try and upgrade what you have and make your first 11 better, and that's how you have a better squad. But that's the only position I think that needs work really
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, you know, in an ideal world, it'd be great to get another striker in, wouldn't it? Because you'd feel like it's a a really, a really competitive and, and quality squad there. But I just think that given the spend over the last three windows, Villa will keep it quite tight unless they really need to in January.
0: Ideally, you'd want someone who can play wide and up top. But essentially, that's what Watkins is. I know he doesn't really play wide for us, but he can play there. But then. Are they going to get a game wide? Because Grealish is nailed on, on the left and there's now a lot of competition on the on the right-hand side as well. So it's hard. We're in a good place. I think the, the the general synopsis is, if you think back 12 months, Villa are in an excellent place, in an unbelievable place compared to where they were this time last year. We, we were doing podcasts genuinely worried about what was going to happen to the club. They were going to go down. They were going to lose Grealish. They needed to buy a striker. You don't have any of those worries now. So it's, they, it's the, amazing, the, the club deserves a huge amount of credit for for what has changed since we were doing podcasts this time last year, do not it? Oh, it's totally. Yeah, you
1: know you've, you you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I mean the way the way Villa started this season was just it was so disappointing, wasn't it? But they're finishing the season on a really high on a real high, and and you know we're genuinely gen, genuinely talking about pushing for a European place and I firmly believe Villa playing the way that they are now are capable of doing that so yeah there's a lot of people that deserve credit at that club you know it stems right back to to the guys at the top who who have invested heavily um, in everything Dean Smith Clearly deserves credit because he's drilled these players to play the way they're playing. Um, he's identified the players and that he thinks can can improve this team, and they are. And then, but you know, most of all, I always say this: I always feel like the players deserve the biggest amount of credit because they, those are the guys that go out and do it. You know, and, and and on the flip side, if if they're not doing it, those are the ones that should be pulled up for not performing. So, yeah, fair play to everyone associated to Villa at the moment because it's all going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, just before we do, we do finish, just wanted to single out, I know you've just mentioned pretty much the whole club, I think the tea lady was the only person you didn't thank there, Greg, but <laughs> Dean Smith, I mean, I'm going to sound like Gabby Adbonlaw here, the praise that Bielsa gets for Leeds, and even today they've lost 6-2 and everyone's raving about him, but Dean Smith has done an absolutely incredible job and when things were going badly, he kept his head. When everyone else around him, including me and you at times on the podcast, were losing their heads, Dean Smith kept a cool head, kept us up, And just the strides are massive and unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I remember, I I think I've said this a few times, I remember leaving King Power Stadium after Villa lost 4-0 and I think privately even Smith thought that if, if they lose the next game against Chelsea, which ultimately never happened then he probably would have lost his job I think he was almost accepting that fact you know whether whether Villa would have lost it or not we'd, we don't know at this stage but he used that lockdown period to his advantage he made sure that he didn't let this opportunity of, of, of managing the club that he loves and the club that he supported from uh, a very young age slip away and and he did everything in his power to get that group together and um you know change the way that they were playing and 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 just go back to basics really and and, and get enough points to to stay up and the way they've transformed themselves and the way the team is completely different now He's, you know, he deserves a huge amount of respect and, and, and praise for it. So fair play to him because he's doing a brilliant job at the moment. And yeah, the, you know, everyone, everyone goes on about Bielsa and how brilliant Leeds have been, etc. But yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different because they've just been promoted. So it is harder for, for, a, for, a, for a club at, moving into the Premier League for the first season. But you know, if you look at Villa, they've created more chances than any single team in this division on average per game. They've had more touches than any other opposition um, in in the attacking penalty box th- than any team in the division. And I mean, you know, it, that, that those are those are clear signs that this is an exciting and entertaining team. And it just feels a little bit strange that that Dean Smith isn't getting the credit that that he deserves. And and another thing is that the 7-2 win over Liverpool seems to almost be forgotten about. We should be oh, talking that about that every yesterday. single week
0: that was a joke for the rest yesterday. of this season.
1: <laughs> you know, Liverpool saying, go and beat Crystal Palace 7-0 and, oh, and that's all anyone's ever talking about. But 100% the Villa result over over Liverpool is, is better than that result.
0: I mean, it's no argument. I couldn't believe some of the stuff I was reading yesterday in, in on social media and in, in the press about that being the best performance of the season. I mean, to be fair, Liverpool game does feel like it was a long time ago now, but it, yeah. it was this season. It, was like it the say,
1: last win at home yeah. as well? I think
0: it was, yeah, I wasn't think,
1: it? I think, yeah, it was. So
0: that's probably <laughs> okay. another reason maybe why it we were, so Maybe ago. we should
1: just shut up and end this pod. No, now. <laughs> but
0: if you're beating the champions 7-2 with Van Dijk playing, I, I may add, as well, that's an incredible result from a team that's just stayed up as well. That That is easily the performance of the season, and nothing anybody does will top that. People were talking about Leeds losing 6-2 today, as if it was better than Villa B and Liverpool 7-2. I mean, the, the mind just boggles, but yeah, back to Dean Smith. What a guy, and except for letting James Chester go. I absolutely <laughs> ad- adore the man. he'll never be forgiven for that, but... Everything he's done pretty much since football came back has, has been unbelievable, Dean Smith, and he deserves a huge amount of credit. I think that does us for tonight, Greg. It's, it's getting quite late now. The the clock's nearly coming up to midnight. So it's been great to talk to you about another win, especially a win over, over local rivals. I always enjoy those little bragging rights against teams uh, like West Brom and Wolves, because although they're not proper rivalries in my mind, their attitude towards Villa annoys me. So it's nice to have a little bit of bragging. So I'll go to bed happy tonight, as I'm sure you will, Greg. Good night you <laughs>